Today's teaching text comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has, been, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. Uh, we hope that your holiday season is going well. Uh, and just want to say that we, we pray for you continually, the pastors and the staff, uh, have you on our hearts and minds uh, during this time. Uh, it is the season to be jolly. Uh, one of the weeks of Advent that we celebrate every year is focused on this theme of joy. We light the candle and we recognize our longing for deep and abiding joy. Uh, but we have to ask, why is joy in our world uh, such a prolific pursuit and yet so pervasively elusive. One reason is that uh, we are created for deep joy. And if uh, you've watched any shows like The Vow uh, or read any cult uh, about any cult-like movements, uh, you'd hear that there are many promises of joy out there, but everybody has, in some sense, a different conviction of the path which would lead to the promised joy. The Westminster Catechism alludes to the fact that the very purpose of human beings is wrapped up in the experience of joy. Now, tragically, uh, it seems that our joy uh, in, in our world is way too situationally dependent. See, one thing I've noticed as a part outsider immigrant here in the USA is that we live uh, from event to event, from holiday to holiday, like signposts that keep reminding us that we're on the right track, uh, while the drudgery of the in-between feels like the kids are perpetually asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And uh, in our Advent series, uh, named The Time in Between, we have to ask if the good news of Jesus really leads to this joy to the world idea, where is it and how can we access that abiding joy? 
It's not hard to imagine in our world right now that if votes represent our nation, then 48% of our nation is really upset, while 51% of our population is really happy with the outcome that we have seen. I remember after having lost our baby during uh, Lisa's first pregnancy, the doctors gave us news that we might not be able to conceive uh, children again. And um, then we received, shortly after that, we received good news from her brother that they're pregnant um, and that the first grandchild would be born. And certainly that was amazing news, but it was news that also brought pain to us. And we live in this world where we are torn, where good news is maybe not good news for everyone. Now, uh, of course, we have three kids and God has been very, very kind to us. Uh, Maybe at times I think too kind. Uh, I actually heard uh, during during quarantine uh, about a couple who were talking to friends uh, who said, yeah, yeah, we decided not to have kids. Quarantine has has made us decide not to have kids and we're going to be telling them tonight. Um, so we can't get rid of uh, that. We love our kids. We, we want them around. Um, and God certainly brings much blessing. So, uh, so don't hear what I'm, what I'm not saying. Uh, but the, the reality is that most news, most things in this world uh, is not as simple as joy to all people. In Luke, the shepherds get the message from the angel, and this is in essence the message in one line. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Good news of great joy for all people. The promises of joy abound in our world. We spoke about political hopes that promise joy and a newness of life. And yet it doesn't satisfy everyone as we've seen, but it also doesn't even satisfy those who actually have put their hope in that new political reality. And the result is a country where some get ahead and some don't because we put people in power historically, not just this nation, but all nations, put people in power who, who creates systems that benefit those who are most like them. Jesus certainly wasn't a king like that. And our series on the Beatitudes uh, seem to show that pretty, pretty profoundly that he set up a world in which uh, those who are downtrodden, mourning, poor, broken, they are the ones who are uplifted and blessed. According to BBC, a study uh, that they did, uh, the normal depression stats during the time of COVID has doubled. And so we sit with this question, God, where is the joy that is promised in a world that is clearly experiencing immense pain? Consumerism promises joy. And the concept of joy marketing emerged, particularly with a psychologist that that did some work for ReadyWhip, who who found out that 93% of Americans were on a quest to experience more joy in their life. Slogans like, I'm loving it. Johnny Walker, the largest selling Scotch whiskey, also called up a psychologist that, uh, that, that studied human happiness and decided to create a campaign that embraced the notion uh, that, that emotion of joy is the key to progress. And so they armed themselves with a new tagline, joy will take you further. 
the pursuit of happiness is alive and well, and it seems like an insatiable, endless pit of pursuit, promising but never fully delivering. Consumerism promises joy, but only for those who can afford it, and only momentarily. Remember Jim Carrey saying, I wish everybody would get rich and famous so that they can see that's not the answer. The answer to what? Well, the answer to the deep longings of the soul for meaning, belonging, and joy. The angels said good news of great joy to all people. Well, maybe it's in relationships. And so the spouse I need and I'm longing for and I'm pursuing or in my kids or my family. And that's hard to go through a holiday season putting so much hope in family when you can't really meet with family the way we used to. And so that joy is robbed from us. And uh, at times uh, I, I imagine Christmas trying to talk to family um, in South Africa. And, and I kind of dread having one more Zoom call that I have to make to family. And, and it just doesn't carry the joy that it normally has or the person that you love lets you down because you've placed such a burden of great responsibility upon them too great for any human to bear to bring you joy and fulfillment and that expectation crushes them and robs you of that true joy the angel promised that Jesus that the Messiah would be the fulfillment of great joy for all people Jesus himself said things like this. I am the bread of life. In other words, I will satisfy your deepest hunger. I'm the way, the truth and the life. I come to give life and life to the full or abundantly. In John 4, probably one of the the best uh, uh, statements of Jesus regarding this, he meets a woman uh, at a well and he speaks to her. He's not supposed to speak to her. There were a number of cultural taboos with him speaking to her, but he, he decides to speak to her. Um, it's one of the things I love about Jesus is he keeps doing these crazy things that, that ruin his reputation because he loves people. Anyway, he highlights a, a slew of broken relationships in her life and how culture has taught her and men to find joy in these particular relationships. And um, he says this, but whoever she, she's busy drawing water from the well and he comes to her and he says whoever drinks of the water that i give them will never thirst again indeed the water i give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life or abundant life or kingdom life and jesus claims something he says i'm not like other men i don't want from you everything that they feel like they want from you and you longing for something in those relationships will always be dissatisfied. But if you come to me, I will give you the kind of satisfaction and joy that that will mean you will never thirst again. The psalmist uh, uh, mentions this in an idea when he says, you, talking to God, you have put more joy in my heart than when their wine and their grain abound. It's a powerful statement. He's saying, I hold much more joy in me than when I look at people around me who are not serving you and they are prospering. They have got grain aplenty. They are joy filled with a lot of wine, holiday seasons. And he says, yet I have more joy in my heart than they do. Israel was waiting for a Messiah. 
But they got it wrong too because they were hoping for a certain kind of circumstantial change, a, a, a reprieve from the, from the authority that was over them so that they cannot be under Roman rule. And uh, that might have brought momentary uh, help, but it, it did, certainly would not satisfy eternally. And so Jesus comes and he promises something else. The promise of our world is always temporal. It's a temporary joy and it's always partial and not fully. But the promise that was made by Jesus, and this is uh, the promise from Isaiah, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore. And so the promise that he brings is an eternal solution and a completely extensive solution, satisfying the fullness of of the needs of those children that he loves. So the Christmas story is not a a wisdom tale. It is good news. It is a declaration of something new that happens. And in our text, this baby inside of Elizabeth leaps because the first experience of the good news being true has arrived. His coming is good news. There is a new kingdom and a new authority. And in that good news, that was the good news that Jesus himself preached, there was hope. And this baby, John, experienced it. A few Saturdays ago, I was sitting in the street cafe just behind our building. um, And I was FaceTiming with my parents in Cape Town. And um, uh, all of a sudden, while we were on the call, the world erupted in applause and joy uh, and my parents were like, what is going on there? And then slowly we realized the, the election results were out and clearly everybody around us were, uh, were very happy, or at least most people were, were, were very happy. And they were just amused at, at, at everything that was going on, so much so that we couldn't hear each other anymore and we had to cancel and call back, back later because the noise uh, would not end. And uh, in that moment, uh, obviously, that's not, those are just observations of things going on around us, not a comment on, on whether it was joyful or not. Uh, the BBC research fa- finds this. It finds that a nation's happiness is most directly linked to the government that we are under. A nation's happiness is most directly linked to the government we are under. And in that moment, there was good news to most of those people who received it with great joy. This is fascinating because the Jewish believers were waiting for that. They were waiting for a new government and good news that would bring them reprieve. But instead of bringing uh, just, uh, instead of bringing eternal help, it brought only temporary and partial reprieve. And I find that in my own heart too. I perpetually look for the temporary solutions to eternal problems. And my heart always leans that way. And there are promises of that all around me. Instead, Jesus brings eternal and comprehensive solution to our, our, our problem. The joy of that is, of course, that the, the joy of the good news is, is of course, that Uh, The abundance of joy that can't be robbed by circumstance. If we listen to the psalmist and if we listen to Jesus, he perpetually says it is not because of circumstance that we now can find ourselves joyful, but it is under any circumstance that we can access that joy. 
And yet if I canvass my prayers and I take note of what I ask for, I keep asking for the temporary things. Romans 14, 17 says that a distinguishing characteristic of the kingdom of God, of the rule of God coming, is joy. Now, in our text, there is an experience of joy and a response of praise. What do they tell us about the nature of this kingdom? In those days, we have to remember the Romans were ruling and and the people were feeling oppressed and abused. They were waiting for a savior, but they were waiting for a savior in what is perceived as the absence of God. There was silence of God for years up until that moment. And we see because of those circumstances that this whole idea of, of the Messiah coming to bring joy was a matter of kingdom authority. That's what it was about. The joy comes because of a new kingdom. Isaiah 6, which we read, reminds us of that. Secondly, it was a place of the not yet. It was a place of hope, but it had not yet happened. Even the baby is still a baby and the kingdom had not yet fully come. And the third thing is that this happens in this in-between moment where there is a perceived absence of God's goodness, of his kindness, of his nearness. In those days, they struggled with those three things. Church, I think we live in those days too. We too live under the rule of all kinds of illegitimate authorities. Same thing. Things that rule over us, whether it's addictions, habits, sins of the flesh, or whether it's systems of this world or satanic influences that exist to to kill, to steal, to destroy. We live under all kinds of illegitimate authorities. We also live in the not yet It is not hard to look at our world and go, God, we see evidence of your kingdom, but we confess we we really long for more. And we also may perceive in our time the absence of God, sometimes more than his presence. It is into our days that God wants to step in as the righteous, deserving authority in our lives. It is into our silence that God wants to speak. It is into our perceived absence of God that he wants to make himself present. So Mary goes to Elizabeth and John, as a baby, leapt for joy. See, John already had a purpose. He was to be the one who would prepare the way prophetically for the the coming Messiah. His first message in preparing the way for the Messiah, the first thing he communicates is when the Messiah comes, joy will abound. John's first message is this. Joy results from the nearness of God. And today we anticipate through this idea of Advent, not just celebrating his first coming, but we anticipate the increase of his government, the increase of his reign and his presence. Jesus himself claims it. His purpose in John 15, he says this, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus is literally saying, I have done all I am doing. I have asked all I am asking so that you might experience the completeness of joy. Joy is the result of what God gives us when he gives us himself. Joy is the result of seeking and inviting his authority into our lives. 
It happens when the government of God is realized or actualized in our lives. And it happens when the government of God is realized and actualized in our world. So we get the priority wrong. We pursue joy and we are taught and conditioned to pursue joy. But what he says is seek his kingdom, his rule, his reign. Seek him and the natural result will be abundant joy. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. The other concerns we have will find their resolution in him. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There is always a sense that God wants to bring joy, but not joy for joy's sake. Joy because we have found the one in whom joy abides. See, when we submit to his instruction and we love our enemies, even when all we want is revenge, we're stepping into his kingdom. When we submit to his way of financial integrity and generosity and using our wealth to bless others and to advance the kingdom, we step into his kingdom and his authority. When we honor our marriage vows or his sexual ethic, we sit under his authority. When we respond in kindness to hostility and love and consider the poor, when we seek uh, to oppose injustice and stand up uh, for righteousness and truth, every moment that we trust the Lord, even when our understanding seems to fall short, we declare his reign and his promise is that the result would be a joy that we could not gain in any other way. When he disciplines us, And we choose not to turn against him and go, God, you're so mean. But you understand and trust that he disciplines those whom he loves. We submit ourselves to his authority and we open ourselves up for experiencing joy in his kingdom. So how do we live in this in-between as we look at our text? Well, firstly, we make sure that the first thing we're seeking is not joy itself. It is the kingdom of God. That joy is the result of John 15 uh, reminds, uh, reminds us of this. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. See the context. He speaks about his authority because he asks us to obey his commands. And once we live in the way of his commands, the way of his kingdom, we can trust that the result would be our complete joy. This happens through obedience. And we see it in our text because the very verse before our text today begins says this. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See the joy of John leaping in the womb at the presence of the Savior and the song of praise that resounds from Mary is the result of her submission to his authority and living in obedience to him. We seek his kingdom rule. We invite his authority into our lives and we trust that authority even when things around us do not make sense. Secondly, we express our longings into prayer and praise. Her response is this. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 
She's experienced many, many different things, most of which has been sorrow and waiting and longing. And here she is now describing her rejoicing in God. John 16 is an echo of John 15. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into this world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy will be full. This is an amazing passage of scripture where he, he acknowledges that we, we live in a sense in the time in between. We live in the sorrows of the not yet we long for the joy and Jesus is not asking us to, to have a joy that is put on. He is reminding us of the fullness of true joy that will come. And one of the ways that he directs us to live in this in-between is to live in a place of prayer. To ask for his kingdom. To come under his reign and ask for his kingdom in your heart and in the world around you. We declare the eternal nature of the satisfaction of our longings through praise. And Mary, in her shame, in her embarrassment, she chose to praise. When his authority and his governing is increasing in our lives and in our world, deep joy will be the result. And that is what John is re reacting to in the womb. That was his first message. At the coming of the Messiah, there is great joy. There is good news. Good news of a righteous king that we are more than willing to bow down to. We bow down to him because he is worthy. Good news of great joy. Not temporary joy. Not partial joy. But ultimate and fulfilling joy to all people. To all people who would obey, to all people who would believe, to all who would come to Jesus as Savior. This is truly good news of great joy to all people. Let us pray. God, we hear the angels' voices now as we read this text. Do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy for all people. And we long for that. God, we ask that your kingdom would come in our hearts and lives, that your reign and your rule would increase as you promise it would. We submit to you and we ask that you would show us how to live in that more and more. And we also bring you praise and glory. We say you are a worthy king. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our time. You're worthy of this Advent celebration, all our longings are fulfilled in you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.